0: Really back.
1: This place is nuts. Let's get ready to rumbo. It's time to leave the locker room. I'm breaking through the door. Floating on the outside. That's an inside. You
2: leaving with a frown. Me, I'm leaving with the
0: crown. How you like me now? I'm just super proud of the entire team. That's a gutsy win. The hesitation, get off of me. Oh my goodness.
2: Press, it wasn't really much pressure because we knew we put the work in. anybody
0: this is exactly the kind of helmet I used to wear back in the day.
1: Didn't play very well, appreciate the win, but we got a long ways to go. I miss the costumes and the weirdness. I'm gonna lay it on the line. When you win one like this, it makes it even more special. Mackenzie Milton, finding a way. Does
0: Dorr have the luck of the Irish? He does. Welcome to the main event. Intercepted, pick six Georgia. You're either elite or you're not. That's what we've been saying all camp. Welcome to the main
1: event. You're either elite or you're not. Well, week one was elite. It's College Football Live. I'm sitting with Greg McElroy, Desmond Howard. I'm Jason Fitz. Guys, we had everything in week one. We had chaos. We had fans. We had upsets galore. Let's get a quick
2: takeaway. Des, you first. What was your big takeaway from week one? Hey, Fitz, man, you said it best. Either you're elite or you're not. And I tell you what, a bunch of teams didn't really live up to their ranking, but there's one team that did, the Alabama Crimson Tide. Boy, oh, boy, did they look like the number one team in the nation. Outside of Alabama, Greg, there are some some other teams that are highly ranked that got a lot of work to do, my friend.
0: Yeah, Dez, 2020 was dominated by offensive-minded football. 2021 might be very different. We saw great defense from Georgia and Clemson and Penn State and Wisconsin. Shoot, even Ole Miss played great defense on Monday night. So I'm telling you, man, this might be the year, (laughs) y'all, where the defense strikes back and it comes a little bit more back to the defensive side of the football with some lower scoring games. I got
1: Greg talking about defense. What are we doing here? You both missed a big takeaway. It's all about (laughs) the ACC and the rough weekend that they had. Let's take a look at it here. They struggled quite a bit in week one. Seven of the conference's 14 teams lost. Number 14, Miami, suffered a 44-13 butt whooping to number one Alabama Saturday. Tierra King struggled for the Canes, recording his fifth career two-interception game. Not to be outdone on the other side of the ACC. Number three, Clemson fell to number five Georgia in Charlotte. The Tigers ran for just two yards as a team in their loss, the fewest since 2008. It was Clemson's first loss in a season opener since 2014. Now, even Sunday night, we had some of that ACC uh, problems as Notre Dame. They blew an 18-point fourth-quarter lead, but they were managed to hold on in overtime to get the 41-38 dramatic win. We'll get into some of the drama on that later on. And, of course, even all the way back to Friday. Number 10, North Carolina fell on the road in Blacksburg to Virginia Tech. Sam Howell had a lot of hype coming in through a career-high three picks in the loss, including his first two-career fourth-quarter interceptions. So a weekend to forget for much of the ACC. Look at some of the other losses here. Greg mentioned it earlier. Ole Miss runs over Louisville. Charlotte beats Duke. You got Northern Illinois beating Georgia Tech. It was chaos everywhere. So, it it leads to a question about what kind of problems we have moving forward. So, Des, what's the state of the ACC in your mind right now?
2: It's not good. It's not very good right now. Normally, the ACC goes as Clemson goes. And obviously, Clemson lost a, a hard-fought game to a very formidable opponent in Georgia. I mean, the score was 10-3 to defensively. Clemson did all they could do. They held Georgia to just three points offensively. But don't forget, they threw a pick six, and that was what, the, what pretty much changed the game. But when you have a Duke losing to Charlotte, and you have Georgia Tech, Losing to Northern Illinois. Greg, I think, it, it, I don't want to hit the panic button just yet because I'm not a knee jerk reaction type of guy, but they better get their act together quick, man, because it's not looking good right now for the ACC.
0: See, there were embarrassing losses all throughout college football this past weekend. I mean, number 20 ranked Washington lost to Montana, who's an FCS team. So we can cherry pick the bad performances. From the ACC, all we want. How about the big, bad SEC? You know East Tennessee State actually beat Vanderbilt? Yeah, and beat them badly, by the way. It could have been worse than it actually was. There were really bad performances all throughout, but we're cherry-picking right now the performances of Clemson, the performance of North Carolina, the performance of Duke. How about we focus on what might be a positive? North Carolina looked awful. (laughs) Want to know why? Maybe Virginia Tech's really good. Virginia Tech's defensive line looked really good. Their quarterback looked really good. Maybe Virginia Tech's better than we're giving them credit right now. How about NC State? How about their performance, who I thought was excellent both sides of the ball against a USF team that really isn't very good. And then finally, and I don't want to get to moral victories, y'all, Florida State looked better. I don't know how good they are yet, but they were going against a solid Notre Dame team, and they gave them all they want after they could have mailed it in after being down 18 in the third quarter. So I was kind of proud of some of the teams in the ACC more so than most.
1: Yeah, McElroy, though, you know darn well that not having a second very good standout team is problematic when you start talking about the eventual play- playoff run. Like, there's got to be other great teams in the ACC. Being, being deep doesn't make you great as a conference, right?
0: No, I agree with that. I think Clemson's going to have their hands full, and they need help. They need not only for the rest of the league to elevate themselves, but they might actually need some other league champions or some other league runner-ups To fall apart, for instance, they need Georgia to lose two games now, and if Georgia loses to Alabama in the SEC championship game like a lot of people assume, Georgia might still get in ahead of Clemson because of the head-to-head. So yes, the ACC absolutely needs to help themselves by performing better in the non-conference in the weeks to come, but... I still think that this is a this is a league that has good coaches and good players in it just need to play better on both sides of the ball for a lot of these teams.
1: Big difference between short term and long term. We'll see how all that plays out. I think Des is right. That conference goes the way Clemson goes. Let's take a look at the AP poll. That was released earlier today. Clemson fell from 3 to 6 following its loss to Georgia. Kirby Smart's team jumps from five to two. No surprise at the top, obviously, is Alabama still the number one team in the nation. Absolutely nothing shocking about that. There was a shocking result in the SEC to some. Guys, it's rare that I'm right, so I'm going to preach for a little bit here. I predicted LSU would lose to UCLA on every show I hosted last week. There are more important things in Louisiana right now than football, but the outcome still has to be analyzed. So, McElroy, is UCLA for real? They are. This team is physical. They're veteran. We
0: called their game last year against USC, and we started to evaluate their roster and what they had coming back here in 2021. We thought, man, if they have a normal season that's uninterrupted by COVID, what would the 2020 Bruins have looked like? They were really close in a lot of games, but they just couldn't really put it all together. Fast forward now to 2021, a lot of those same guys are back playing. And look at the schedule. Tell me a game on this schedule right now that UCLA wouldn't be around, at the very worst, a touchdown underdog. Okay, I see the game against Oregon. They get them at home. I see the game at Utah. Typical game for sure, but Utah didn't exactly look great against Weaver State last week. They go to USC to play in the Coliseum, but they played SC to the wire last year, and SC was a really good team, and UCLA was on the come-up. So there is not a game on that schedule that I think UCLA can't win. I'd be shocked, absolutely shocked, Des, if they finished any worse than 9-3. This team has a lot of good players and a very physical mindset.
2: Yeah, I tell you what, you know, um, to, to, to pick UCLA right now, I think would be a smart pick. And I have to give Kirk Herbstreit some credit because in week zero, Kirk was on that bandwagon early. He told everybody to get in front of this early, and he did. And I tell you, I like what I'm seeing from Chip Kelly's team right now. They're a resilient bunch. The way that they fought, because, I mean, LSU didn't just lay down. I mean, they fought. It was a, 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 a really heavyweight slug fight for a few quarters. But then, what really surprised me, Greg, is that you always hear about how the the guys in the trenches and the SEC are so much stronger, and I think that um, Coach Orgeron even says something about a uh, blue, a light blue, like kind of like a, a, a criticism of UCLA's colors. And UCLA used that as motivation, and they kept punching LSU in the mouth for four quarters. So hats off to Chip Kelly and the Bruins. They did a fantastic job. I hope they can keep it going. The key. Is to keep Dorian Thompson Robinson healthy. If they can do that, they can have a, a very great, a very um, successful season.
1: So, Taz, look at the other side of the matchup, though. Is it too early for us to panic about LSU?
2: Wow, I tell you what, I, I wouldn't panic just yet, but they're gonna have to show um show something better because. The last time we saw LSU, they had defensive issues, right? You know, they they got rid of Bo Pellini and they got a new coordinator in there, and you thought, okay, this will fix it you still saw some of the same issues. Guys like passing up tackles, especially out in space, guys out of position, just defensive issues that you didn't see two, three, four years ago when they had Dave Aranda as the defensive coordinator. So UCLA is a good offense, some veteran players, they know what they're doing. Chip Kelly does a tremendous job of scheming against defenses, but... When you're in position to make plays, guys got to make plays. And they were really passing up on some tackles out in space, Greg, which is alarming to me.
1: Yeah, well, let's just say it this way, guys. For the sake of everybody on this campus, for Ryan Clark and Marcus Pierce, we need LSU's defense to play better because it's not pleasant <laughs> around here on Saturdays. All right. We got a lot to get to over the course of the rest of the show, obviously. We had some massive performances this weekend, but we also had some massive injuries come from those stars. We'll get to the latest on some of the week one injuries and how they could impact the rest of the season. Plus, speaking of impact, impact always comes from quarterbacks. The good, the bad, and the ugly all came out of the quarterback position this weekend. We'll get you a review of some of the biggest names in college football and what the guys thought of everything they did. Speaking of big names, Indiana. Spelling isn't easy, right? We all saw the Indiana jersey Saturday night that had English majors yelling. <laughs> Leave it to Hoosiers coach Tom Allen to make it funny at his press conference, though. Good work by him. This is great stuff from coach. Check this out. Well, Good morning. Let me check something first here. Yeah, make sure Indiana spelled right on my hat. We all saw Bryce Young and that dynamic Alabama offense on Saturday. Lights out, but what about some of the other star quarterbacks in college football? We're going to do a little progress report here and have some fun taking a look at some of the other big names across the board. We'll start with McElroy. McElroy, break down CJ Stroud. What would you see there?
0: I thought he displayed a really quick release, very accurate with the football, especially on the underneath. I thought they got away there in the second quarter from some of the things he was comfortable with. He threw that interception, and he looked a little bit rattled. But I actually loved the way he bounced back. From that momentary rattledness. Because there was a moment where it could have gone sideways. You had Minnesota. It started to get all this momentum. And he really wasn't seeing the field all that well. Well, then you fast forward till after halftime. They go right down the field. And he was a totally different player from that point forward. So, I was really proud of how he bounced back. He's going to be a really good player in time.
1: One of the names we all had eyes on. DJ Uyunglele down at Clemson. Obviously, it was a defensive struggle. What's your progress report there, Des?
2: Hey, DJ had his struggles, man. It started up front, obviously, with the offensive line. They could not block uh, Georgia's defensive front. But when you get beyond that, even DJ's coach, uh, Dabble Sweeney, said after the game that it took DJ probably two and a half quarters just to get settled. And Greg can tell you better than anybody, you can't take that amount of time to get settled in a game of that magnitude against an opponent like Georgia. So once he got settled, you know, he started to throw the ball in rhythm, but it was bigger than the offensive line. He wasn't making the right reads. He wasn't getting them out of bad situations. And his receivers, too, they didn't help him out. That pick six was not on DJ. It was actually on a receiver who should have broke across the, uh, the defensive back's face so the ball didn't get picked.
0: Yeah, they got to do a lot of things to make life easier for DJ. They got to block. They got to create a little more separation. They got to be more consistent with the timing of the passing game. So, yes, he didn't play well. But, Ike, you said, Des, that was not all on DJ at this point.
1: Yeah, by the way, according to stats and info, he was pressured on 36% of his dropbacks. That is not good. All right, let's take a look next. And one of the hot, 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 names coming in, Sam Howell, everybody was in love with. When you look at that, Greg, what's his progress report from that week one action?
0: Well, I thought it was disappointing. But then again, kind of back to what we talked about with DJ Uliangalale, you can't play quarterback by yourself. And there was really not a lot of help that Sam Howell had at his disposal, especially in the front, man. It was amazing to watch Virginia Tech consistently dent the pocket, consistently make him feel uncomfortable with their pass rush. The other thing, too, we all know that he lost his top two ball carriers. We all know that he lost his top two wide receivers off last year's team it was painfully obvious that there had not been the same type of chemistry created between him and the guys that he was out there with last year. So hopefully they can get that addressed quickly, Des, because if they don't, it could be an extremely disappointing year in Chapel Hill for that powerful offense.
2: Yeah, Greg, I tell you what, Sam Howell had a wonderful, fantastic supporting cast around him a year ago, and they made him better. Now he's in a position where everyone's young, they don't have as much experience, and now he has to make everyone around him better. Hopefully he'll be able to do that moving forward. All right, Des, you can't play quarterback
1: at Oklahoma without being implied that you're going to be a Heisman candidate. We all thought that for Spencer Rattler. (laughs) What's your progress report on Spencer after one week?
2: Wow, I tell you what, I was really surprised that he threw the interceptions that he did in this game because, you know, a year ago, don't forget, he was young, first-year starter, so Lincoln Riley was, I think, handling him with kind of like white gloves, just trying to ease him into the game plan. And on that Texas game, he played so bad that he was pulled, he was benched, went back in the game eventually and seemed to have turned the corner. But now this game against Tulane, here he is making some of the same mistakes, throwing interceptions against zone, making you think, what is he looking at? What, what, is he, what does he see? So that's not what you expect from a guy who comes into the 2021 20, season as the Heisman favorite. Maybe he can get all that out of his system now and he can play better moving forward.
1: Last up on our list, one of the best stories from the weekend was Mackenzie Milton coming in for Florida State and helping lead them on an 18-point comeback. Greg, what were your thoughts on this one? Uh, It was amazing to see him
0: on the field, first and foremost. But how about we just evaluate the play and take what was an incredible story out of the picture? Y'all, he was accurate. He was poised. He made great decisions. There were a few moments in that game down the stretch where it could have gone off the rails in favor of Notre Dame. However, McKenzie made the smart play. He made the correct play in order to make a bad play. Sometimes there were some bad plays. missed snaps, Aaron snaps, uh, guys busting protections, plays not working. He could have made a lot of bad plays worse, and he didn't. He was poised, he made great decisions, and he gave his team a chance. So it's going to be fascinating, guys, to see whether or not they go with Jordan Travis, the talented youngster, or McKenzie Milton from this point forward in the season
1: mostly positive progress reports from you guys. Everybody's happy to take these home to their parents. All right. uh, We'll keep wrapping (laughs) everything up. Obviously, it's time now for this week's ultimate performance. So presented by BMW. What a weekend for the Big Sky Conference. Three wins versus the FBS. Montana gets the 13-7 upset win over number 20 Washington. EWU got the dramatic 35-33 double overtime win over UNLV. UC Davis with the 19-17 win. And Tulsa, great work by them. In the meantime, the Sandman entered. People jumped around. Fans and chaos were everywhere. We're going to shout out the fans and give you some of the best experiences next on College Football Live. Sad news for the college football community. Former USC All-American fullback Sam Bam Cunningham, a college football Hall of Famer, Passed away on Tuesday. Sam was the 1973 Rose Bowl player of the game and also had a record setting career with the New England Patriots. Cunningham was 71. Saturday afternoon, our ABC College football triple header highlighted by number 10 Iowa and number 9 Iowa State in Ames at 430 Eastern then we'll take you to the big house in Ann Arbor for our Saturday night football matchup presented by Capital One Jim Harbaugh and the Wolverines host Washington you can always watch all the games on the ESPN app you know the drill one app one tap Obviously, week one of the college football season came with some big injuries. Michigan's top returning wideout Ronnie Bell is out the rest of the season with a knee injury. We'll get you updated on the rest. Staying in the Big Ten, Minnesota running back Bo Ibrahim suffered a season-ending left leg injury over the weekend. He was the lone Big Ten rusher to reach 1,000 yards last season. Also out west, Oregon defensive end Kayvon Thibodeau suffered an ankle sprain against Fresno State. Thibodeau's ankle sprain is being dealt with on a day-to-day basis. For the latest, this is what Coach Mario Cristobal had to say about his status on Monday.
0: A lot of guys want to ask about Kayvon and how he's doing. You know, he's improving, so that all will be a day-to-day thing. And, you know, by Tuesday, Wednesday, I'll give you guys an update on him.
1: All right, so Greg, which injury is most devastating to their team?
0: I would say the Ronnie Bell injury, this is a Michigan offense that has been really inconsistent over the last couple of years and really has lacked as playmakers that you've kind of become accustomed to having, I guess, throughout the course of the college football season. Man, you got to have guys that can catch and run. And right now, I don't know who that guy is exactly for Michigan in Ronnie Bell's absence. So not only has he been a leader, but he's been a dependable piece for that offense for quite some time. So him not being available is huge for the Wolverines moving forward. I hate it for him.
2: Yeah, I couldn't agree with you more, Greg, and I hate it for him, too. And, you know, not only is he a fantastic receiver, obviously he got hurt returning a punt. So he's an excellent return punt returner, too, and he had an outstanding Fall camp, and I spoke to the coaches. They were just so excited for him coming to this season and what he was able to do. And if you watched that game, you saw him come up with like one of the best catches you'll see all year long. I mean, Greg, you won't see a better catch. Even though the officials <laughs> said it was pass interference on the offense, so it didn't count. I mean, that's just great confidence that he played with. So I think that it's Ronnie Bell, and they have to find someone out to look at. Look at the guy. One hand on the ball. So he he was playing with a tremendous amount of confidence. They got to try to find a replacement. which is going to be very, very tough, guys. Well,
1: speaking of uh, awesome things over the weekend, not just that catch, but also the fans in the stands, we saw a bunch of that. It was incredible. Speaking of fans, Trevor Lawrence obviously had to pay off a bet with one of his teammates. We saw him in all Georgia gear. Greg, what's the one fan thing you're most excited to see as we look at uh, Trevor Lawrence here in Georgia gear?
0: I love that. I am looking forward very much to Ohio State dotting the eye and everyone going absolutely crazy. And I can't wait to see Clemson run down the hill on the field before the game. Those are the things I'm most looking forward to next couple weeks.
2: What about you, Des? I'm looking forward to the Bruins fans. Let's face it, man. They've been some long-suffering fans for a very, very long time. And now things are looking up for UCLA. So I would say the Bruins fans. Yeah, I'm just saying,
1: (laughs) if game day was any indication last week, it's going to be chaos all week. Greg McElroy, Desmond Howard, I'm Jason Fitz. Thanks so much for hanging out with with us. This has been College Football Live.